0: Listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy Seven. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, welcome into the ROTB pod. I'm your host, Blake Murphy, on Twitter at Blake Murphy Seven, and I'm here talking with Ryan Day uh, with Big Cat Country, the SB Nation site for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is. Trevor Lawrence Week versus Kyler Murray, two number one picks. Uh, as we get started, Ryan, how are you doing today on a Friday as we record this heading into uh, the weekend, another weekend of football?
1: Um, well, I wish that everyone listening to this could see the Friday beers multiple that sit next to my laptop. So that's that should give you some indication of uh, about how I'm feeling. But I think that... I think that all Jaguars fans kind of expected, you know, this is going to be a a five or six win season at the best. Um, We did not expect Urban Meyer to look, I think, I don't know if confused is the right word, but to look as though, you know, look a little more unprepared than we would like. Um, So that's kind of a downer. And, you know, anyone who says, you know, they expected Trevor Lawrence to be perfect and not make rookie mistakes is is fooling themselves so
0: yeah yeah as I was gonna say the Jaguars getting off to an 0-2 start the Cardinals starting off 2-0 and but it's in a game that the Cardinals probably should be a 1-1 right now at least with the game coming off of the Vikings uh, you have the Jaguars at least as well coming off of um, a start against the Houston Texans in division and then uh, last week, at least, being able to go up against the Denver Broncos. Uh, neither game has really felt like it's been close for the most part. So I want to at least talk about uh, just some of the areas with Arizona coming in. Cardinals fans seem to be confident, maybe even overly confident. So what would be one of the, I guess you could say, positives of the Jaguars in this set? Because looking at this as a Cardinals fan, when Kyler Murray came into the league in 2019, I believe it took four games that they played before they were able to actually come away with a win. Uh, they started off at least in 2019, um, losing, I believe, their first, at least first three games, if not the first four. I believe it was against the, yeah, it was against the first four games they lost. It wasn't until week five that he got the first win in his career. And in that case, you see, hey, number one pick, you're the worst team in football. Um, there's usually a longer curve to get into, but what are some of the positives at least that you've been able to see so far with Jacksonville coming into this game?
1: How NFL ready, um, a guy is even like a number one overall pick the guy, you know, the guy that every analyst, every writer, every, you know, fans uncle, um, down at the bar was like, yeah, you know, this guy's the best quarterback in the draft. I think there's still something to say for you know, the assurance a couple games in of, no, I mean, he doesn't, he does not look overwhelmed and that hasn't always been the case with, with uh, rookie quarterbacks in Jacksonville. I mean, you had, you had Blake Bortles a few years ago. I mean, the guy was in his fifth year and it still looked like, the, the NFL game was was too big for him. Uh, Gardner Minshew showed flashes of that, but he had enough bravado, I think, to to cover it up and enough like raw talent. So um, Trevor Lawrence is is a guy who who looks the part of an NFL prototypical quarterback. He's he's really polished. Um, but more than that, it just looks like he he I think there's something to be said for general competency in a ro- in a rookie quarterback. And and that's what we're getting with with Trevor so I'd say that's the biggest thing um other than that I think I think you're few and far between with things that are encouraging about this roster I mean DJ Chark is catching 25% of his targets James Robinson is averaging 30 yards a game um Darren Bevel or Daryl Bevel is not on the same page the offensive coordinator is not on the same page with Urban Meyer um the secondary isn't good uh miles jack is balling out so there's that but we still have a roster spot for Taven Bryan, brian so that should tell you all you need to know about about the defense Ooh. so yeah
0: yeah i was gonna say it reminds me a lot honestly of like you know keeping up with the comparisons the 2019 cardinals had the 32nd ranked defense in the entire nfl and you know it's a team that was missing patrick peterson um you know uh after his PED suspension he came back looked like he may have still needed them was kind of the the joke a lot of Cardinals fans had said and they really were that team that if there was a lead that they ever acquired you knew they were going to blow it like there was times like all right it's the fourth quarter the Cardinals just got a field goal to take the lead and you knew immediately the defense was just going to drive down like it was nothing hot knife through butter uh I think some of that is just the talent being able to be built back um I think it's interesting what you're talking about with Urban as far as with the offensive coordinator, but being on the same page. I've seen Trevor Lawrence like throw a few throws. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is like a perfect dime, like being able to maneuver a bit in the pocket, the subtle movement, throwing the ball, hitting the receiver downfield when there was as much separation. It gives you at least the feeling of, yeah, this is the same guy that we saw in college. But then there's also been areas where his, has he not been on the same page as well with some of the balls that are uncatchable through the first few weeks he's got the most amount of uncatchable balls passed in the NFL how much of that is perhaps with between urban and some of the other places being on the same page or I think that's more of a, a Trevor issue as far as hey like he's just getting adjusted used to the league maybe even learning a new offense something that Kyler Murray was the guy teaching his offense to the rest of the players on the team when he came into the league is that was how they decided to adjust what is kind of the biggest thing as far as for where the source of for why trevor just hasn't seemed like he's fully been able to click with the rest of the offense yet that you think
1: well i think a big part of that is the offense is without a a true identity at this point i mean i know we're only two games in so uh it's, it's hard for it's hard for the jaguars to get into any sort of rhythm so early in the season with a rookie quarterback and a lot of young players but that was the critique all through the preseason is like, what, so what, what exactly do you do? Like, what, what is this based on? Is it, um, you know, is it volume passing? Are we going to try and, you know, uh, are we going to try and run to set up the pass? Um, Are we going to take some of the pressure off of Trevor's shoulders? Are we going to go vertical? Are we going to have a lot of dump offs to, you know, tight ends? Like what, what, what exactly is going to be this offense's, calling card and I think they're still figuring it out and I think I think that is number one the biggest critique I would give to Urban is like he doesn't have a clear vision of like this is this is what I want the offense to be and to look like and I think it's hard for a rookie quarterback to come in and be like you know to to produce and and be successful when there's, it's hard for him to know, like, all right, this is how I fit in. These are the sorts of things I need to be working on. Um, and yeah, and, and I, and I'd kind of flip the, the question back on you. I know you alluded to Kyler when he was a rookie, you know, really, really being a leader of teaching and also like forming that offense. Like what, what was that experience like in Arizona? I mean, was he making some of the same just mental mistakes where, man, he put the ball five yards away from where it needed to be, or was it a little bit smoother this early in his rookie year?
0: Yeah, the interesting arena, I think at least that, in my opinion, went back somewhat to the head coach in ways, was the first game the Cardinals played. They were down 24-6, to which is the same score that that awful 2018 season started with. And then you end up seeing a bit of adjustments where it felt like I think a a lot of it was the Lions essentially just kind of gave up and backed off, allowed Arizona to come back into the game. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was trying to like pull a fast one or something of like, oh, hey, we've got a dummy offense installed that everyone, you know, he was like shocked when they actually were prepared for his 10 personnel that he ran out with four wide receivers like, cool, we'll just blitz the heck out of you guys and make your pass protection suffer. They ended up getting some of the adjustments down and were able to kind of rally back into the game by going back to some of like the core basic concepts of, hey, we understand we're going to have to protect up front here, hit this guy on the slant route, we'll protect a bit here. And then it was, all right, this is a clutch, got to have it, third down play, we're going to go ahead, run the read option, and Kyler's just going to trust his legs to pick it up. And it was seeing some of those areas and adjustments of where it was like, all right, let's not overthink this and try to be able to go back to some of the strengths, which were, you know, get the ball out quick and then use Kyler's legs. And they're able to drive down the field and eventually um, tie that game. And it was interesting, I think, as far as with him learning, there was a lot of stuff after that game that you saw that were mistakes. Like, uh, I think the biggest thing that a lot of people noticed with Murray was, you know, whether it was bailing the pocket too soon or with his legs or being able to develop, there was inconsistencies that we saw from college, such as, Oh, it's third down and three, and defense would mush rush, put their hands up. He's a short quarterback. He'd just throw the ball like he always would. They'd bat it down, and then you would see other areas as far as for where it was growth and leadership, where he would, you know, would be as willing to kind of you know talk to guys and stuff on the sideline, and that's been something that he's developed like over the last three years. Like it's like oh, 2020, he gets Hopkins. You see him take a step forward. You see not as many balls batted down. You see him essentially trust his legs a lot to start running more. And then you see them being able to say, oh, we got an identity of we can know we can throw it to Hopkins on an out route on third down. All right, it's third and 17. All right, Kyler is going to run with the ball, and he's going to fake like he's going to throw it, force the defense to turn around and honor that, and he's just going to run and pick up the first. And then this year, you've seen mm-hmm. the adjustment that's gone now where now he's not just tucking to run with the ball. Now he's actively like scrambling to look downfield, and he actually has weapons that are like... Uh, I think we've gone from Keyshawn Johnson, who is like a four-six guy who was like he can catch it a little bit when you're talking about that, and Andy Isabella, who was either running the wrong route or would catch it with his body, the ball would bounce off, to now being able to have talent. Hey, Christian Kirk's in the slot. You know, eighty-five-year-old Larry Fitzgerald, at least God bless him, he's no longer in the slot of having to break these tackles and pick up you know seven yards on a swing pass. So I think it's one of the areas of you have to, you can kind of know from the start when you see it with the quarterback, and then it just you have to give it somewhere time. But one of the big questions I think I have is, do you think that Urban's capable of some of those arenas or adjustments? Because a lot of the areas I thought was good with Kingsbury was he at least said, Oh, here's what I did wrong, here's how I'm going to change it. Whereas Urban, it's almost sounded like he thought he was probably going to be winning or at least performing better despite taking over the worst team in football a little bit more. And that's, I think, what I've seen some Jags fans would be concerned about. Would you agree that that's the case or is this more of just the combination of you get urban into the NFL and he's all got the accolades and it's going to just take the adjustments will come. It'll just take time.
1: It's been more like adjustment by necessity because, you know, guys leave after two seasons. And so he's, you know, he's forming his offense, um, I mean, his team as a whole, but he's definitely more so thinking about the offense. He's forming that offense around the guys that he was able to recruit. And, you know, he's thinking of who he wants to recruit because he has preferences and and, and whatnot. But um, I I haven't really seen Urban have to adjust the same player, you know, and just make them better um, at Ohio State or Florida or, or, or what have you. So. Um, I don't know if he can do that. I, I would assume that he can because he's coached for so long. Um, and while he might look a little bit um, kind of behind or frustrated with the pace of the NFL game, like the increased pace of uh, of the NFL game, I still think that he has a really good chance at being able to do it. But um, we'll, we'll we'll have to – We'll
0: have to see. Yeah, I know the NFL, a question a lot of people always ask is how much of it is talent, how much of it's scheme, and then everyone kind of knows it's a bit of both. It's just whatever the balance is. I think a lot of Cardinals fans right now have been pointing and looking at, all right, how much of this is Cliff Kingsbury like building and doing better, adjusting his scheme, being more unique? And how much of it is just not he's finally got four wide receivers and you see Kyler like gets out of what should be a sack scramble and then toss the ball for 20 yards like the Russell Wilson, almost like a scheme proof type of arena. When it comes to Trevor Lawrence, he's probably one of those guys who you could argue that whatever type of scheme he's in, that he's able to at least either adapt or fit to because of the physical tools, because of the timing and arenas. What's been some stuff you've noticed about. Jacksonville as far as with some of the scheme or has there been anything that's been identifiable with the scheme is it does feel like in some ways like you said James Robinson has not gotten a lot of carries feels like Carlos Hyde's been got getting a few more of them um, they've been you know hitting their target I think at least for that one a few more off uh, their tight end is a target a bit more often than I think some people may have. Expected. And I wonder how much of that is just with the talent of a guy like ETN going off the field and then inheriting, you know, it was the worst roster in the NFL last year. I kind of tend to think that talent usually ends up superseding a scheme in a lot of different ways. And so if the Jaguars are having to build this talent, the question is hey, are, are we running the right scheme? What were some specifics you think of that schematically? the Jaguars could either use to attack the Cardinals or, you know, taking some lessons away from the last two weeks, you got a week one game against the Titans. Cardinals looked unbeatable week two. It was like, and we can't really seem to stop the outside zone or the run at all. Kirk cousins, you know, scrambles out of the pocket and throws for a touchdown running to his left. You're like, ah, that was, that was really Kyler Murray. Like that's, that's weird out of Kirk. (laughs) What were some things that you think of for the Jaguars, either from the talent or the scheme would be something that the Jaguars could attack this Cardinals D.
1: Do as much as the players can do, but talent. Um, I mean, you see a guy like Pat Mahomes or, or Kyler Murray come into the league, and it it you know almost forces your hand to create a scheme around you know this specific player's skill set and and talent level. So I think that you know coaches who preach scheme um, above players or maybe above where they should, um, do so because of one of two reasons, like number one, they just don't have very good players. Um, and so they have to, they have to maximize the, you know, the average roster that they have, or they're just not good enough coaches and they don't realize that like the best schemes are actually the ones that change and evolve based on the, the players that you have. Um, as far as, you know, what the, what the Jaguars can do, to um to match up against the Cardinals. Um I think the first thing is to pray. Um <laughs> oh man. Uh well I mean because because here's the thing. Like I, I said this earlier. Our defensive line not only has a roster spot for a guy uh like Taven Bryan, but is giving him meaningful snaps. And Taven Bryan is a very bad football player. Um he's one of, you know, the biggest bust in the last decade for the Jaguars. And he's personally, you know, one of my least favorite draft picks because Lamar Jackson was right there. Lamar Jackson was on the board and, you know, 85 year old Tom Coughlin said, no, we need an interior. Uh, we need a white guy who plays interior defensive line. Like that's from Florida. Like that's, that's what this team needs. Like, so, um, so I just think, you know, this. I, I think this game on Sunday begins and ends with the, the Jaguars defensive line's ability or inability in this case to uh, throw Kyler Murray off of his game. I don't think that's going to happen. And so I think Kyler Murray is going to um, just sort of have an embarrassment of riches uh, when it comes to, you know, choosing whichever of the – you know, three or four Cardinals receivers of which, I mean, y'all have like a good stable of receivers and not just like a bunch of talented guys. Like it honestly seems like, um, it seems like every, like, it's almost like a, like a hand-picked, it's almost like a, a, a custom spice rack that my wife would like tell me that she spent $70 on when I get home after this interview, she'd be like, no, no, no. I got, I got this, um, you know, seasoning, I handpicked it because of like these meals that we cook. And like, I didn't just get regular salt. Like I got, you know, the Himalayan pink salt that goes really well with the flank steak that we're going to be cooking in three days. Like it seems as though this, this set of receivers is, um, is, you know, they all have different roles. They all have different skill sets. They all have different like giftings and they work really well in, in concert, and that's going to be that would be really hard for any secondary um as has been evidenced by the fact that y'all have scored what 35 40 points a game um the first two weeks
0: yeah yeah 38 week one missed a field goal that would have been 40 with the titans and then week two with the jack with the um vikings it was similar is about 34 points or so at least they didn't have a missed field goal but they did have a couple of uh, at least one pick six and then I believe a turnover in the red zone on a pass and this is a spot where the ball was thrown late by Kyler he sometimes can take a a bit of a second hold on to the ball a bit long he did get hit in the head it just wasn't called so in that case it's like all right throw the ball a bit sooner they hit you in the head anyway you're at first and goal uh, if they're gonna call it but instead they saw "Eh, a little bit too close and that turned out to be about 10 points or so that went toward the Vikings and that was really what ultimately kind of Determined why the Vikings were set to win the game at the end of it was that the Cardinals had made mistakes. It's just Minnesota made essentially two more mistakes, both of them unfortunately happen to be from their kicker, which is not necessarily something you're shocked at if you're a Minnesota. It's state.
1: a it's a it's a tale tale as old as time uh, for for uh, for our, for our uh, good friend Arif um, uh, up north. So, but no, I mean I, I think I think there's there's two things that the Jaguars have working against them is number one, their defensive line is not very good um, and they aren't able to pressure the quarterback. Um, And number two, the secondary is not very good. Um, And you have, I mean, this is probably one of the better receiving cores that the Jaguars will go up against. And one of the, probably the most mobile quarterback that the Jaguars will go up against. And I don't mean mobile in terms of like he's going to run for 80 yards, although Kyler could if he wanted to. I mean mobile in terms of, um, you know, hey, uh, uh, Jihad Ward, like, you know, I'm going to just shrug you off and then throw it oh, to DeAndre yeah. 25 yards downfield. So um, all the things that the Jaguars are not very good at are things that the Cardinals have worked on for years. And I think the only hope is, I mean, I know it sounds like I'm playing Madden here, but I would literally just tell Miles Jack before the game, I'd say you're spying um, Kyler Murray, like every single down. I don't care if it's a running play. Like your guy is Kyler Murray and where he goes, you go. And I think that's the only shot that that uh, that this team has. Um, I don't think it's going to be close. I think the Jaguars lose by uh, three scores, probably 17 points, 20 points. It's it's uh, it's not going to be a very fun day uh, at the office on this side of the call on your side of the call. It's going to be very, very fun. So.
0: Yeah, I, I think you talked about just the matchups, at least I, I wrote down a couple notes of like, all right, what are the pros at least that you would have if you're a Jaguars fan looking for some positives? One of them is, you know, you talk about and this is the thing Cardinals fans know is what we call the East Coast trap game, which is anytime there's like an early morning 10 a.m. game it's like it sometimes wouldn't even matter who the opponent was they played I think the Panthers last year and got blown out the doors where it was like all right they missed one you know out of three and out sounds good Panthers just drove down the field scored okay Cardinals are back. and then they drove down the field scored again it was a game that felt like it was over in the first quarter and most people look at those teams last year and go how the heck did you lose to the Panthers in a week where you'd already you know battled the Lions close you just kind of we're like, ah, all right, man. That's been one of the things has been the East Coast games. Uh, the Cardinals have a few injury concerns. They've had Marco Wilson. They lost to an ankle injury. He's supposed to play this week. Um, there are other starting corner who's looking to try to get his big deal, and Byron Murphy has gotten hurt as well. They're already down one cornerback since um, Malcolm Butler decided to retire versus play for the Cardinals. So that's kind of a that's kind of a interesting situation. Uh, and then you see that the Rundy had some issues for the most part, especially in containing Kirk. So you're like, okay, these are positives. And then, hey, maybe at the end of the day, an 0-2 team is pretty dangerous looking for their first win. The cons that I wrote down was pretty much everything else, which when you're talking about it, the specifics are... Um, like you said, the mobility of the quarterback and watch week one against Tyrod. This is kind of the new NFL of extending, being able to make plays, bailing the back pocket, take some of that awareness, being able to kind of hit some of those guys and having that coverage downfield was definitely a struggle. But the biggest one I saw at least was with tackling. And I think this is a game where if the Jaguars want to have a shot against Arizona, you're going to have to hand the ball off and be able to utilize a decent amount of run game deception with James Robinson and Carlos Hyde, because that's really what the Vikings did that worked so effectively. And now, granted, they have Dalvin Cook, who may be a top three running back in the NFL, all said and done. Um, But I think that was the area when you see what the Cardinals have built their identity around is, hey, we've got J.J. Watt. Jaguars fans, unfortunately, are acquainted with him. we got Chandler Jones in a contract year. They've got a pretty decent depth at the defensive line. They have no defensive tackle. So you can run on them up the middle, And if you do quick passing game that isolates, you know, get the receivers out quick, you can kind of stop that pass rush in its tracks. And that was really the Vikings. That was some of their strengths. That's what they did. Um, I don't know if that's going to be helpful enough as far as even if the Jacksonville comes out with that type of offensive game plan, just the tackling, at least on the defensive side, has just not been there where you're talking about not just Kyler Murray, but the other weapons that they have with, you know, John Hopkins, maybe one of the if not the best wide receiver in the NFL, he's up there in the conversation. You got Christian Kirk is in the slot. You've got Rondale Moore at least is able to kind of break tackles and pick up like he's leading the NFL in yards after the catch. Uh A.J. Green. Um, Max Williams been having a career game. He looks like he may be inbound for a career year. So there's one player, at least in the Cardinals, that hasn't been quite as impressive as maybe was advertised through camp. But like you said, the tackling is one of the biggest things of – Some of it's effort, but some of it is just when you've got a team that's more talented on the other side and the defense is still being built and developing guys, that's the biggest concern I have is, like you said, is like, all right, there's a play that they're, oh, Kyler, up. they didn't get him. He runs over here, and there's a guy who's just open, at least for the most part, just due to some of the playmaking nature. That would be the biggest thing where I kind of agree with you of um, being able to see on that side. What would be some of the def? I think we talked about how the defensive side, at least for the most part, would go up. Um do you think that the Jaguars, when you look at the Vikings and how successful they were, do you think they're capable of that sort of game plan first, or is a lot of that then going to fall onto Trevor Lawrence to avoid um, some of those different mistakes? Because that's one thing about Arizona is they love trying to force mistakes and force turnovers. They'll take the easy completion at the cost of potentially, you know, getting a big sack or an interception down the field.
1: When, you know, a Tyrod Taylor-led offense should not be uh, working at peak performance, goes up by two possessions um, with, like, maybe, what, eight minutes left in the first quarter. Um, And then it, you know, it goes, okay, now we got to pass. Like, and Trevor ends the game with 51 pass attempts. I think that Arizona's offense is a little more dynamic and talented than Houston's. I think Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins is probably a notch above Tyrod Taylor to Brandon Cooks. Um shout shout out Brandon Cooks uh, for being wide receiver oh, one of my fantasy I, team, I have no way. idea love how him. that man has managed um, to have like but, a
0: near Hall of Fame like trajectory to this point on all those teams. I'm like, how did how did it. this this is okay. This is like sometimes you're just happy to be surprised. And it's just like, well, I don't want to play against the guy, at least for whatever reason.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Side note, I don't, I don't, I honestly couldn't tell you if the quarterback last night for the Texans was Mills Davis yeah. or Davis Mills. <laughs> I think it was Davis Mills,
0: but uh, I could, I
1: honestly could not tell you. And still, Brandon Cooks is out there getting ten catches for 120 yards. He almost scored a touchdown. Good for him. But anyway, um, back to Tyrod the Brandon Cooks. I mean, a Tyrod Taylor led offense got up two scores uh, by the middle of the first quarter. Um, If they can do it, Arizona can do it. And then that puts the game on Trevor's shoulders. And like I said before, DJ shark, I think he's, I think he's a very talented wide receiver. I think he could be like a top 20, top 25 guy in the NFL. He hasn't shown it through the first two weeks, partly because of Trevor's, uh, you know, he has some off target passes. I'd, I don't think he really has a very good rhythm with DJ Chark and the rest of the other receivers, which again, goes back to urban Meyer, letting Gardner Minshew Gardner Minshew get first team reps for weeks throughout training camp, therefore stunting the development of his rookie quarterback. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that it's just, it's just, it's just one of those, you know, snowballs going down a hill that just gets bigger and bigger where, Okay, Kyler to DeAndre for the second touchdown of the game. It's not even the second quarter yet. Trevor is still trying to build up a good rhythm with these receivers. Um, the run game is just not it. Because, I mean, you're talking about Carlos Hyde as though he's a legitimate like NFL running back. Like, he's not. He's not. He's, not, he's Carlos Hyde. Like, he should not be uh, getting t- uh, 10 touches a game like he has been with the Jaguars so far this season. And so... Um, it's just it's a it's a really rough spot I think for a rookie quarterback to be in I think Trevor Trevor has handled it well but um, I could I could totally see this being another game where Trevor you know ends ends the day with like 50 to 55 pass attempts
0: yeah that would be one thing that would concern me as a Jags fan since the offensive line hasn't looked like it's been as strong and I feel like a lot of it is just if you're able to kind of have some designed runs for Trevor that takes some of the pressure off, I feel like that's one of the cases where he's been super effective with. Um, I agree with you at least of, you know, Hyde, you could say he's been efficient, but efficiency doesn't equal game-breaking big plays, which is one of the issues I can sometimes have with a place like Pro Football Focus, like, hey, that one went well. It's like, okay, yeah, but, you know, if Frank Gore or something like that saw the right hole versus, oh, hey, you know, having a guy like Travis Etienne, I think, who could make one of those big game breaking things having him out is something that then becomes a, a huge area of trying to be able to find enough playmakers and that's kind of something like talking back with arizona and how it's developed over the number of years it's taken them like way almost too long to kind of get to this spot with the receiver core like they spent a second round pick every single year from 2017 And then they spent a second round pick, a second round pick, second round pick, traded a second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, which, you know, never should have happened. But hey, Bill O'Brien decided that he wanted to, you know, he's like, all right, I guess I got to earn this pink slip and get free of Houston one way or the other Might as well. Take it all down with me. And then the first actual draft pick that was successful in this case for a receiver has been Rondale Moore just this year. Some of that's because Cliff Kingsbury has been running this more horizontal raid where, even though I think, and this is kind of maybe tying into what you say about urban is it's two games in, so it's a bit early, but being able to establish what your identity that not only your offense is going to have, but that you want and some of the why I think is super important. Uh, Part of the reason I think that the Cardinals have had more success now with more being able to pick up on the quick pass game, the horizontal raid as they call it, is that it's pulled some of the safeties down into the box And also, in some cases, it has made it where you can't just line up your safeties in the middle of the field because if Kyler's going to swing it and you've got a one-on-one coverage, he makes a guy miss, and you're watching Kyler being able to run the ball, suddenly you keep getting burned. Then as soon as you shift your safety over, hey, Kyler Murray, you can pull the ball, run, and takes off in the vacated spot. So it's like, okay, the chess pieces that we have, knowing how they're going to work, what the identity is, some of that is arguing, okay, it is a talent thing. You favor Rondale's talent. But you also recognize your identity. I think I agree with you of some of the arena that I've seen has been trying to get to some of the pieces of that Clemson offense, but it really really hasn't quite seemed like I've seen some of the same throws or plays, at least that Trevor was making. And maybe that says a lot about what Trevor was doing, since Clemson's offense has looked kind of broken, offensive lineless, and even identity-less now (laughs) that he's left. So I wonder, maybe some of this is just kind of the adjustments and having to... Learn for the like of Urban. I know a lot of people have made jokes at least about with USC. I don't think that he's there for as far as the long haul, but it is really interesting of like the comparison between how he's managed it as a CEO, huge winning tradition, national championships at multiple programs. And you have Cliff Kingsbury in interviews quip today. It's just like, oh, you're going up against Urban Meyer. He's like, yeah, two of the most successful college coaches ever. You know, It's, just, it's really great. <laughs> it's like he's poking fun at how bad he was at that. And I think in a lot of ways it shows that the NFL is very different. And I think I'd ask you, what is kind of then the feeling of adjustment or being able to right the ship or turn this around that we're seeing through two weeks? Is this kind of an avenue where – You know, you feel like you're maybe a coach away or maybe it's just, all right, Trevor's going to figure out. It'll just take time because I think I've seen some people wonder if Urban's holding him back in some regards. I don't think that's the case so much as I think it's just it's hard to win with rookies in the NFL and with a young, bad team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think Urban is is doing anything in game or during practices uh, since the regular season started, um, to hold Trevor back or to scheme in a way that he's not able to get in a rhythm or anything. If anything, he's he's putting too much of the offense and too much of the pressure on Trevor's shoulders. And Trevor is handling it well, and he's, you know, he he never lost. What I, I think the stat was like he never lost a game in college, like. It, you know, week one was the first game he lost since high school or middle school or something like that. So, I mean, Trevor is dealing with it well. What I would say that Urban's fault is, um, and and I said this earlier, is he set Trevor up to fail. I think Urban underestimated the importance of practice reps during training camp. And um, a lot of college coaches will give You know, two, maybe three guys, first team reps in those August practices leading up to the first game or two. But the reason college coaches can do that is because they schedule, you know, uh, Jacksonville State or UAB or, um, you know, the the Rice or uh, uh, Central Arkansas. Like you schedule these, like, I hate to use the word cupcake because. These are legit like D1 athletes, but compared to Ohio State University of Florida, these are cupcake teams and they are preseason games. Um, and that's why they schedule, you know, they're the equivalent of preseason games for for college teams, premier college teams. And um, you can kind of work out the kinks in the first two weeks of the actual season. And um, yeah, Urban, I think Urban really dropped the ball. Um, giving Gardner that much practice and uh, uh, and everyone knew that he was trying to deal Gardner for weeks. Everyone knew he was like just holding out for something higher than a day three draft pick for him. Um, and so I think that's that's part of the frustration too. So what I would say is like there, there's nothing really like schematically that urban is doing to 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 hurt Trevor. it's it's all in the. What we saw in the preseason, what we saw in training camp, what we saw in off-season um, uh, activities and, and and whatnot, it was, hey, from day one, Trevor should have gotten every single first-team rep that you had available and then some. Like Trevor, like you 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 said he was the guy, and then you said there was a quarterback competition, and then you traded Gardner and. You said, again, he's the guy. And it's like, no, no, no. You draft a guy number one overall in your very first draft with your very first NFL team. He is the guy until, like, he is traded um, or he's released in five years or he dies. Like, sorry. Um, so so I, I –
0: I... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Trevor Lawrence. Dude won the national championship as a freshman, and has been essentially like, by all accounts, like the hype train for him was even bigger than Andrew Luck, which is in a lot of cases. Uh, some of the avenue thought that was really interesting was that I think the worst team technically in the NFL last year was the Jets. They ended up deciding because they have Adam Gase to ruin something, and Zach Wilson has shown some promise, but also in other cases looked like worse than Trevor Lawrence has at times, especially. And that's one of the cases, I think, of um, Kyler is that the hope is that he will be able to pull the Cardinals franchise up regardless of what was going on. We've seen that you can't really do it alone with just the quarterback, at least, as far as you know, maybe a veteran can do it. But that's, I think, at least one of the hopes and one of the things that's promising for Jacksonville is that over time he'll be able to pull it up. But like you said, you're not seeing a lot of early success. And if that's on the head coach, that ends up becoming an issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and Urban, to his credit, welcomed that. He said, hey, it's, you know, it's on me. Um, I think everyone knows that Urban is the de facto general manager. You know, Trent Baalke is there, but I think that Trent is merely like, I say merely, um, it's kind of demeaning. Like, he is the general manager, and he has NFL experience. I think that's why Urban picked Trent to be in that position, to help guide him for the first couple of years in his NFL journey. And then, you know, urban would take on that sort of um, head coach GM role that, I mean, speaking of the Jaguars, Tom Coughlin took on bill Parcells took on like all that sort of stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, urban has said, I'm the guy, uh, all the blame resides with me. And, um, and I, I think that's why I feel Pretty okay criticizing him because he kind of slept through free agency. He picked uh, at the top of the second round uh, a defensive back um, in Andre Cisco that is not getting playing time. Um, he picked some projects. He picked some recruits from his college days uh, in the you know in the first three or four rounds, and um, it, you know it's 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 tough to watch. I think that I think that the bye week. Is going to be really big. I think it's going to be more of the same uh, up until then. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jaguars didn't win a game until after the bye week. Because because when are we going to do that? I mean, are the Jaguars going to beat Arizona? No. Are we going to cover the spread against Arizona? No. Like, are we going to be? Are are we going to win on national television against Joe Burrow? Probably not. You know, like when, when do? What opponent do we win against? Probably not until the second half of the season when we play Atlanta and we play Houston at home. So
0: Yeah, I know. That's uh ah man. That's rough at least like when you're talking about the upcoming schedule too, with week four at Cincinnati, which interestingly enough was Arizona's uh first win with Kyler Murray since they'd gone 0-4 to start the season. Uh yeah, it's it's one of those spots of when you're taking over a one win team that's that's it's rough as far as the uh this would be a yeah, Cincy, Titans, Dolphins. You know, the the place as far as for where Arizona finally got to see some success was in that in his rookie year. Their first game that they did win was against the Bengals. He had a couple of key plays. The Cardinals had a terrible red zone. Like you'd be like, hey, they can drive the ball down the field, and then they just wouldn't be able to punch it in. They'd have to kick a field goal. They end up beating the Bengals off of a couple of Kyler Murray runs and then a back when David Johnson, you know, still had some athleticism left. He made a big catch. You're able to kind of (laughs) sneak away a win. And then after that, it's been kind of like, sometimes you get lucky with different wins or matchups. Like you mentioned the Falcons, That was the second team Arizona played. It was Kyler's first 300-yard passing game. Everyone knew how terrible the Falcons' defense was that year. And it still took them where they were going to essentially go into a tie game or lose the game because the Falcons score a touchdown. They're about to tie it 34-34, and Matt Bryan misses the extra point. Arizona takes over, gets kind of a close call. Oh, yep, picked up the first down. I guess that's it. Game over. And it was almost one of those weird arenas where I think week three, they turned it around then by um, running over the poor hapless giants, which was uh, a career day when you're going up against uh, Daniel Jones, who uh, I don't know if he has pocket, no no pocket presence or has the someone joked he has no object permanence, which I think is the funniest part, like pass rusher disappears. It's like, where did he go? And then he just comes back and hits him, knocks the ball free. It's just been uh, it's been brutal. But I agree with you that looking for some of the positives can be hard. Um, I think in an NFL where things can change drastically, that's one of the things as far as for like not to like you know encourage for some of the Jags fans. I think that there's gonna be wins uh, on the schedule. It's just I don't think I agree with you. I don't think it's gonna be against um, the likes of Arizona. And part of that's because I think it's I think it's in the process of Urban of in a college football once you kind of get to that establishment point and you can be that CEO and delegate things down below, you're always gonna have an offensive coordinator who's a stud who will want to work under urban Meyer that you can kind of like see and know, Hey, you can take you under fix a few issues and you go and lead another program after a couple of years. Um, We've seen that take place even with um, OSU. And we've seen that be the case for a lot of other guys under him. I think he's realizing in the NFL, it's it's uh, instead of like adapt or die, I think it's like a learn or burn where you have to be able to kind of be willing to learn, to change, to adjust, mm. or you are going to burn. And that's something that yes. Chip Kelly didn't learn from his time in the NFL. Mm. And whereas Cliff Kingsbury, you can see even in that year one, he started off the year running 10 personnel. And this is just one of the the dumb things that he did, too, which he did a lot of things very similar to Urban. Um, in his first couple of games, he had this secret offense that they teased that they never practiced in, um, preseason. I think there was two practices that they started that we saw with that offense. I'm like, Oh, Hey, it's the 10 personnel stuff from like Oklahoma. And then immediately it was like footage leaked onto Twitter. All of a sudden card security is like, Nope, Nope. Put the cameras away, put phones away and just pushing back and all of that. You know, it's like, hey, if if teams really want to know, they just send someone in secret to your practice. Like, people are going to study film and to know your plays instead. You're not really going to be able to surprise. You know, uh, you know, it kind of takes Matt Patricia and throw him under the bus a little bit, like that. Like, you may th- Matt Patricia may be the guy you think you can surprise, and they, as a result, did not work on a ton of these plays in the preseason and even in the open practices. It was like they just reserve some of that time for all right. No one's looking, okay, cool, now we'll practice the real plays we're going to run. We're going to run a dummy offense out front. And when you're practicing that again and again, you're just not able to get that same type of repetition and success down. And so they really struggled a lot on anything except for the broken plays throughout the first four to five games. But by the end of the season, they had a lot more help talking to the offensive line coach. And suddenly you see them running 12 personnel like as their main personnel, more snaps under center for Kyler Murray. They're able to run the ball more effectively, utilizing a lot more of the RPO uh, offense where you're able to at least, you know, Kyler's comfortable with it. You're even able to have some of these plays under center. And you saw the adaptation where it was like, okay, if my left tackle is going to be more confident having a tight end on his left, if he's got an elite pass rusher, then I'm going to put that tight end on his side. And that's something that then is uh, I think part of what, um urban may be going through some of the same pattern where we haven't seen that yet and i think that would be the concern for jaguars fans is if there isn't some of those changes or adaptations then i think there's going to be some questions or worries later in the year because you you, like you said you've got the falcons coming up you've got the texans coming up heck you've got the jets in week 16 like there's a probably a decent chance for the most part that you could say hey we're expected a five-win team we're not going to get there this season that's okay because we at least can look and push for some of the positives Then I think at least it's just going to be up to, um, you know, seeing at least to how much Trevor Lawrence is able to adjust or develop. Because right now, I got to tell you, like, if the Cardinals lose Kyler Murray, like, they may have the talent to win another game or two this season, but they've done such a job of building the entire offense around him and putting, like, everything on his shoulders that it really is tough as far as when it comes to scheme or into that arena. Because if he's not healthy, like, you don't really have a chance. And (laughs) in some cases, it's like, all right, that's true of any team. But in some spots, the teams that have done the best of adapting to like their quarterbacks and going on to still win games or compete like Kyle Shanahan and others, that's kind of the level of success that you're hoping you can still see from the Jags, even if Trevor Lawrence, so that if anything, just so that he can be able to make plays. (laughs) And I, I think that's
1: actually kind of encouraging for Cardinals fans, like the fact that your coaching staff and your franchise has built not just the, you know, the team around Kyler Murray, but you've built schemes, you've built, you, you've you brought guys in that you would not have brought in because of Kyler Murray. Um, it's, it, it's almost kind of encouraging that you would, you would be, you would be such a bad team on the field without this one guy because conversely, how bad you are without him is how good you are with him because you've, you've done all these things to maximize who he is. Like, I mean, I, I wish, I wish I had a Jaguars team in recent memory that I could say had done that. I would say the last one who did that was probably 10 or 12 years ago with, um, Jack Del Rio and David Garrard. And, you know, Jack Del Rio was like, uh, Okay, we got a we got a quarterback who can throw about as accurate as anyone up to 15 yards and he runs. He runs like a horse. And so we're going to put, you know, two, you know, fringe Hall of Fame running backs behind him. We're going to have the best offensive line in in football. And we're just, you know, we're going to run the ball for 350 yards a week. Um, And without David Garrard, I mean, you, you you know, you you put a you put some six, four white guy in there who, tries to stand in the pocket and throw the ball, like who's going to throw the ball to like, you know, the worst receiving core in the league. No, like there, that receiving core was brought here because of their downfield blocking because of their route running, you know, seven yards off the line of scrimmage. So I, I think, I think I would be really encouraged by the fact that the Arizona would literally implode if they had to put in their backup and
0: who is, Oh, backup? they've got a little Texas boy Colt McCoy, which is uh. Really funny, because most people I talked to were like, wait, he's still, in, he's still in the league? And so it's like, yeah, it's good, good for, for him. him. It's also funny, I think, is like the joke that we've had is that Cliff, who played for Texas Tech and coached at Texas Tech and Kyler's an Oklahoma guy, that they brought him onto the staff just to kind of like, you know, poke the, poke the bear a whole lot as far as like, oh, hey, how's Texas doing? Oh, boy, you guys are about to lose to the SEC big time. and Just <laughs> being able to have some of that rivalry that they've gone on. And I, I think some of the other areas is if there is – um hope as far as for the Jags in return is seeing how it's like looking back into the past when you see this Jaguars team of where the Cardinals were in like the 2018-2019 season like 2018 you mentioned how passing on Lamar Jackson was bad imagine trading a fur giving up a first a third and a fifth for Josh Rosen (laughs) being the case when it was like hey our coach wants to be a run first team Lamar Jackson's right there and they instead trade up for arguably the worst of any of those quarterbacks, at least for the most part, and then have to trade him away for a second-round pick, who they use on a fifth-round slot receiver that is basically only on the team because he's a second-round pick. Um, he's basically being their special teams gunner right now. So, yeah, imagine spending a first, a second, a third, and a fifth for you know, your 5'9 special teams gunner who just really can't catch And that's in addition to, like, you brought in a head coach who was overwhelmed, didn't make adjustments, you drafted a bad center, you had every decision you kind of could have made in the 2018 season coming off of that was wrong, and you have to watch the guy who retired versus coming back to play for you go to Tampa, get Tom Brady, and get a ring. And so when you're the general manager in that position, it's like there's a reason why Steve Keim has been hated a lot, but you look at how he's adapted and changed to be able to first say, all right, fine, we're going to go ahead and it's a sunk cost pivot off of Kyler Murray go to a different offensive guy who people are going to attack us, but, hey, like he's boosted offense everywhere. He's gone. And then being able to have some of that humility of being able to draft and admit mistakes like, all right, our linebacker room has not been working out. We're going to go ahead and draft back-to-back first-round linebackers because we just need playmakers right in those spots. We're getting eaten alive there. Um, Being able to then trade some of the different picks to add in talent of – You know, not just trading for DeAndre Hopkins or Rodney Hudson, at least giving up a second and a third. One of those may be a no-brainer type of deal. But I think that shows a similar path to where the Jaguars, if they're going to be able to improve. Some of it is being able to, like, say, hey, we can eat that humble pie. We already did. And some of it is, you know, just coming down to luck, I think, in the end, too. The Cardinals, if not for um, John Gruden, winning and deciding, say, you know what? I'm not going to tank anymore, man. I'm going to go ahead and just... We're going to run the ball, get the field goal, and beat this Cardinals team, even though we're tanking for all that, man. And then the Niners basically randomly beating the Seahawks with um, – Oh, who is that legendary quarterback, at least for that one? Nick um, – oh, gosh, Nick Mullins. Without that Nick Mullins comeback, you know, you might be talking about a totally different situation. Same with the Jags. If it's not for the Jets, suddenly they may not end up with Trevor Lawrence at that first overall pick. But I think it does paint, in some cases, a lot of, hey – Not just the rookie quarterback contract, but being able to add proven talent from teams taking advantage of, you know, players that are rebuilding for a lot of that. I think that's one of the avenues that can give a positive of, you know, like you said, even though we're both kind of expecting and I'm kind of predicting more of like, I would say like a 37 to 17 with maybe a garbage time touchdown. So it's not that close of a game type of aspect for the Cardinals. Um, Because I just, I think after the struggles to Minnesota, I don't think that they're going to look past the team so much as if it was, you know, a blowout of the Vikings. Maybe that'd be your trap game. But I think looking into the past, you can see the positives that from Arizona taking this awful, terrible team that couldn't be turned around and being able to be into one that's, you know, maybe not going to win the NFC West, but is going to be up there and at least competing week in and week out. That's what I think Jaguars fans are hoping for, at least with this Trevor Lawrence era.
1: Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> Jaguars fans would take a four-win season if it meant um, competing in every game. If it meant, hey, we're never down more than seven points. Um, and in fact, uh, a lot of these games were tied going into the third quarter, the fourth quarter, or we're down a field goal, or maybe we're up a field goal, and they score a, a touchdown in the you know top of the fourth and. Um, we just never score again. I, I, I think that's the thing that is so demoralizing is not only are the Jaguars not in these games uh, to start this season, we're at the tail end of a 15 loss uh, streak from last year. And so, the you know, we're 15 months, you know, 16 months without or not 15, like 13 months without a win. And so yeah, I mean it it is really discouraging. I think thirty-seven seventeen is a good guess. I I would tend to say that Arizona might score more than that, but but you're right with the, the East Coast sort of early early kickoff, like there there's only so much that Arizona can do when it's ten AM their time. So um but yeah no it's it's a it's a frustrating place to be in i I hope that you know as a Jaguars fan, you're always kind of saying like I hope for next year this and and that or you know I hope for the draft this and that that's kind of where we've been the last decade um but it you know we finally have and we've never had the number one, uh, overall draft pick. He's a quarterback. He's the, you know, he's, he's the guy, um, that everyone said was going to be great. So I think, I think when Jaguars fans say, you know, I hope that next year, blah, 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 it finally means something because we don't have Blake Bortles. We don't have Gardner Minshew. We don't have Chad Henney, you know, uh, uh, taking snaps under center. Like we have Trevor Lawrence who we want to be here for the next you know five years. Uh, And then hopefully re-sign him for the next, you know, 15 years after that. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I I really think it's just – I think this year, you know, up until the bye week is going to be really tough. Because Urban's not – Urban's just not even going to have, like, the mental bandwidth or the space to make the wholesale adjustments that are necessary for the Jaguars to even be competitive – in, in games going forward so um, it's going to be tough up until the bye week I think after the bye week you start to see um, you know I forget how many games we have after the bye week I think it's like seven I think you'll see three wins after the bye week and people will latch onto that and they'll be like hey you know we 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 almost went 500 um, at the you know in the second half of the season um, I think that'll give us some momentum um, I think that'll give Trevor Lawrence some confidence and I think that you know, next year is about um, plugging holes on the defense. Because I think the offense, I, I think the Jaguars offense is serviceable. Um, I mean, any offense that includes a decent, not great, but decent offensive line. James Robinson, he rushed for 1,200 yards as a, a rookie, 1,100 is as a rookie. DJ Chark is there. Um, is throwing to him. Uh, Laviska whom... You know, we're trying to get in a rhythm. I don't know why he's not there yet, but he was. He showed that he could be good. It's a serviceable offense. You get a decent tight end in there; it's fine. The defense, it's quite literally just pick the best defensive player on the board, and that that's kind of an easy process for a, a young NFL uh, head coach slash quasi general manager like Urban Meyer. It's just like, hey, who's the mm-hmm. best defense? It's not like he has to narrow down like. Uh, do I pick a safety or a lineman? And it's like, no, just right. you pick the best guy and he'll make your defense better.
0: Yeah, no, I think I agree with a lot of that. I think some of that has already been started, at least with everything for trying to take CJ Henderson. There's a couple of interesting, I know like cards draft stories that I've kind of heard with uh, through the rumor mill, which one of those was at least the Cardinals target in the, I think it was 2017, no, 2014 draft. They had a deal already in in accordance with, Bruce Arian's number one guy to trade up to the Vikings pick to take Blake Bortles. Jags came and took him out of the blue, so it's kind of almost a reversal, at least for the most part, where Arizona didn't really get to develop him behind Carson Palmer for a year or two like they wanted to. I don't think his arm and some of the other places were as much of a fit. Instead, he goes to Jacksonville and has to kind of just take over. And then I know this last year with, I think it was the C.J. Henderson pick, uh, Cardinals were looking heavily at uh, Isaiah Simmons or Derek Brown, They end up seeing an extra quarterback get taken ahead, at least for the most part, that, you know, in some cases surprised people. So they say, all right, cool, we'll get to take Isaiah Simmons. Otherwise, we were going to trade back into the 16s and see who fell for the most part, as Atlanta would have been jumping up, trying to get ahead of the Jaguars for that corner. Atlanta ends up with a corner that hasn't been good. Uh, I know at least Henderson's had some flashes, but there's been also some, you know, struggles and other things in camp. Urban probably a tough coach to play for in that regard. But it's interesting as far as like, I wanted C.D. Lamb that year to reunite and pair the college quarterback with his guy. And instead you have kind of like this almost alternate kind of scenario where the Cardinals and Jaguars for the most part have been kind of in these spots where things may have been a little different for their franchises. And instead you kind of end up with, um, like you said, these quarterbacks who you're hoping that they can pull your franchise up in a lot of ways at the end of the day. And being able to now just say, hey, like there's talent that you can see at some of these spots. Some of it needs time, but some of it is just get an infusion of guys in there who um, who can be able to pull it off and work. And that's something I think that we've seen Arizona put a huge commitment to where, you know, you go from paying Terrell Suggs eight million dollars to now you've got cornerbacks who are walking away because, hey, we found a guy in the fourth round that we think is more juice than having to pay this guy. So he's going to start. Sorry, bud. And I think that's what Jaguars fans are um, are kind of can see somewhat in store as long as the leadership, you know, is going to be able to see some of the mistakes that were made in the past. Like you said, the Taven Bryans, or maybe it's even just, Hey, we took a first round running back. turns out that running backs in the first round probably isn't the wisest attribution of these draft capital. Let's go ahead and boost up the lines, boost the defense up. As long as that's some of the case, I think that's where there's a bit of, um bit of optimism. So I had one last thing, at least to go over today before we get off, at least it's been a good hour talking um, which was kind of looking at the secondary. Arizona's secondary, I think, has some guys in Buda Baker. Even Jalen Thompson's been playing well as far as tackling. Um, the biggest concern that people have said about Kyler and Lawrence so far, uh, Lawrence has been the uncatchability of some of the balls, but he's also thrown five interceptions, and some of that is just it's rookies. Like Kyler Murray had a three-interception game against the Steelers, and that turned out to be the difference in the game with one of those in the red zone. Um, he's also had up to this point three picks through this season. I know it was one against the Titans, running to his left, one-on-one coverage, throws it to a tight end that he shouldn't have been targeting. You've uh, Arizona's tight end room is honestly worse than Jacksonville's, and that's you know that's saying something when you look about it. Uh. Oh, well, as I say, Max Williams, as far as for that one proved last week, maybe it's not quite. So be 31st, maybe as far as for that goes. But he's targeting their tight end three and against Kevin Byard. And it's like, that's probably a throw that you should just not try to be able to make it against Kevin Byard for all of that. Uh, But he did have two interceptions last week against the Vikings. What kind of would be as far as if the turnover battle is going to be any of the different cases for the most part? Uh, who do you think at least would be able to have some of the edge? I feel like the Cardinals' talent for that and being able to force some of these mistakes because of that defensive line is where I would probably give the Cardinals the edge. But I'm curious as to what you think about with Jacksonville being able to kind of keep up some of these, you know, even costly turners like we saw with Kyler Murray. If he doesn't throw that pick six last week, Cardinals win the game handily. If he doesn't, you know, throw that ball late, went to double coverage trying to hit the you know, middle of the field, up the seam, gets picked off. You probably have a touchdown if that's thrown earlier. Instead, it turns into three points, takes it into a totally different direction. What do you think as far as for either having some of the edge or what plays you might be able to see from Jacksonville if they can force some of these mistakes in the Cardinals offense?
1: Um, I really go back to us both talking about the amount of pressure that is put on Trevor's shoulders and not just like, in a general sense, hey, you're the number one pick. Um, you're the face of this organization. Blah blah blah. In game, I mean, the defense that Urban inherited slash assembled through free agency and the draft has been letting Trevor down, and so Trevor, as the you know player that he is, um, feels that he has to go in there and win the game by himself. He's also had a number of drops, um, receivers. Are not doing him any favors. Um, I when I said DJ Chark caught twenty five percent of targets, that's an actual stat. Like you know, and that seventy five percent of missed throws is not all his fault, but some of it is. Um, <clears throat> and so Trevor is trying to force passes into windows and into spaces that he just shouldn't be and he'll he, he'll look at his rookie film 2 years 3 years down the road and he'll be like i cannot believe i tried to make that play um so yeah so i you know i would say that the turnover battle is definitely tilted in the um in the cardinals favor and i haven't even talked about the defensive line that much yet like here's a question for you cuz i'm way more familiar with J.J. Watt than I want to be like is he is he good is he still good
0: yeah he's not elite but he's still good and part of what we saw with and this is kind of maybe an AFC South thing the Titans at one point there was a play where you're watching where they've got two guys on J.J. Watt with a third they're almost like chipping in to help as far as when they're running a boot play to Ryan Tannehill and Chandler Jones who's been out for a year is just gets a free run at Ryan at the quarterback and you're like Okay, this is clearly an example where you're probably double blocking the wrong guy (laughs) because Chandler Jones, at least by having someone who can not only suck up some of that inside, but has at least still the ability to get upfield and penetrate has allowed Jones where you're not able to really chip in or double team him as much. And that's how the Vikings had to adjust was all right. If we're going to pick our poison, our poison is going to be the quick passing game and force Arizona to have to make these tackles. And they end up stumbling onto the fact that, all right, Arizona's got these rookie linebackers. And Jordan Hicks, who's lost a step from his time in Philly, let's run the ball. And Arizona did not have a defensive lineman who, when they were running you know, away from Jones, away from Watt, up the middle or to the outside... They didn't have guys who were able to make plays in space, and they kept Isaiah Simmons off the field a little bit more often than he probably should have been considering his, you know, he's going to miss a time or two because of his eyes may get tricked and he's still young and developing. He's a step late, but he's still one of the most solid tacklers on the team, if not like maybe the third best tackler on the team, perhaps even behind the likes of, you know, Buddha Baker. It still is a spot where he's able to use that speed to catch up and make the tackle. He wasn't on the field enough. The Vikings were essentially, through scheme and identity, able to take advantage of the Cardinals' defensive line. I'm not sure if Jacksonville is going to be able to have the same place because it still came down to the Vikings at the end of the day. Kirk had to make the throws, and they had to be able to have offensive line execute enough to be able to you know, sell and get the outside zone. Dalvin Cook had to then have a big game. And I think that's one of the avenues of where it is ultimately in a lot of things, like you said, talent overcomes scheme scheme can help with putting talent in the right places to succeed. And I kind of agree with you is that right now with Jacksonville, I think they have to be able to do some work to figure that out. Cause uh, through two games, we haven't seen some of the adjustments made that have been able to put James Robinson in areas to succeed or have been able to make life a little bit easier for Trevor Lawrence. You said he's having to throw these passes to these receivers who are not getting enough separation and hope kind of that he can make it on a dime. And if someone falls down, that may be an easy pick. So that's um, that's an area where I think the biggest thing with Watt is it's still a little overstated. Like, is he worth the $15 million or so a year? probably not quite that if we're being honest but then you look at Larry Fitzgerald making 11 million a year and if it's like all right we need a clutch catch Larry is just there for the most part he would come through and sometimes you do pay for that motivation the leadership and that ability and character where you're like all right we got JJ Watt in the field don't really care what he's making you can see some of that impact and that's a spot where um I know as a Jaguars fan it's he's the guy who strikes fear into you at first but Really, it should be Chandler Jones in a contract year. Who's going to be the guy? I think to have to look out for is that's that's going to be a rough spot for the most part with your uh, your left tackle.
1: (laughs) I I forgot that uh, Chandler was in a contract. Yeah, the Cardinals said, "Hey, going to make him. We're not going to
0: pay him at least for that one. Let's see what you go out and do for all of that." And then it's just like, okay, and he had five sacks in week one, and still like he put a lot of pressure last week on um Kirk Cousins. Kirk just happened to you know. They ran away from it a bunch, and they again, they ran the ball to essentially kind of isolate it where he wasn't able to get after the quarterback because they're having to play the run just so much. Um, Things got tweaked in the second half where it got a bit better, but end of the day, it's like, yeah, that's one of the avenues that, you know, for all the faults that Steve Kime has as far as not extending Chandler when he probably should have and gotten the deal in 2019 – they're probably going to end up at least keeping him for the most part in Chandler by betting on himself as long as he stays healthy it's it's like you said it's it's going to be at least a boost for the most part and that's where I kind of worry about one of those like you know uh, like a potential five sack game for Lawrence you know one of those maybe gets lost as far as for a fumble the defense blitzes a bit more Um, that's been one of the biggest last things I think as far as for points of where if I had to pick what the difference in the game will be it's that Vance Joseph is a very blitz-heavy defensive coordinator. The way you have to get around that is by, again, being strong with your runs to kind of, like, bait them into running the blitz. And then, boom, screen pass picks up 17 yards because their eyes got a little too aggressive. Um, Trevor Lawrence has not been good against the blitz. He's last in the NFL with that right now. Kyler Murray himself was terrible against the blitz. Like, year one and two, I'd tell you. Just blitz him. He if he can't outrun you when you blitz him, then, you know, you basically got him. This year, they've at least adapted enough where he knows to be able to throw the ball. They at least have a game plan against these cover zero. He's thrown at least three touchdowns, I want to – no, two touchdowns, and then a huge fourth and five conversion that they had two of those to Christian Kirk, who was beating his man. And I think that shows some positive for Jaguars fans of, hey, if a guy comes into the league, it doesn't always mean that they're bad against the blitz. Kyler went from being terrible against the blitz – to being excellent against the blitz it's just it's so early i feel like that vance is going to throw a bunch of things at trevor and then that's going to be one of the concerns that i would have is you know yeah you know, hoping and, that your quarterback that's the isn't thing is you're be looking an injury at injury that could yeah, you know you're, you're talking
1: about kyler in terms of hey year one he did this and he improved in year two and then year three he you know was able to overcome a lot of that blah blah, blah. and where we sit is we're in between week two and week three of his rookie year and so there are all indications that hey, you, you throw uh, the kitchen sink at the Jaguars offensive line, you throw everything you have at Trevor Lawrence, he's he's going to he's going to make a couple of throws that even, you know, Cardinals fans who get to watch Kyler Murray week in and week out, he'll make a few throws where you're like, goodness gracious, like, okay, that's why he's the number one pick. He will throw at least like a pair of of interceptions. And depending on how, you know, the Jaguars are able to scheme against guys like Chandler Jones and even JJ Watt. I mean, he's not great, but he's still probably he'd still probably be the best pass rusher on the Jaguars. He's disruptive
0: um, but, is the biggest thing. Like as long as you're disruptive, hey, that's that's probably good enough at this point in your career yeah. to staying on the no. field.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it, you know, that's that's how you're able to get uh fifteen million a year good for him. But I think that, uh, this will be one of the toughest defensive line challenges that, um, the Jaguars will face in the first half of their schedule. A lot of people talk about the Cardinals, uh, offense as they should. I mean, you have Kyler Murray, uh, Deandre Hopkins, and, um, but they forget that like the Cardinals defense is low key, like pretty good. I mean, last year they, they, they were pretty good. Um, and uh but yeah i i just i think it's gonna be a very long day i think it's gonna be a 20 point loss i think that trevor is gonna throw a pair of picks i think he'll he might i don't think he'll fumble and and lose the fumble but he might
0: now that's what chandler jones yeah. does at least is the biggest one his arms are like in freaky so he'll just kind of close and be able to force that so that would be the one thing as far as like if it's going to be a five sack game that the Cardinals are able to do, if they just blitz, it gets confused, holding onto the ball. That's why I say like, Hey, tre- run Trevor, run. Would be my advice if I was game planning or, for the Jacksonville just, Jaguars run the ball at least a lot and be or able maybe, to that. You know, LaVisca
1: finally finds his place. And, you know, this is a game where either they have schemed for this beforehand or after the first quarter when Trevor's, you know, had a pair of sacks on him and stuff like that. Like, um, they say, hey, LaVisca, we're, we're going to do some screens. We're going to do some quick passes. We might do like a wildcat or something like that, just to get the pressure off of off of Trevor. Who knows? Yeah,
0: no, I think that's at least a great example of how like some of the areas of, it's almost like using kind of Cliff Kingsbury's own offense against him in some different ways, at least for some of his identity in places of, I think it was the, Panthers game last year. Their offensive line just got wrecked and what Cliff did was just threw a ton of horizontal passes. They got out of the game. His quarterback at least didn't get hurt. I called it a bit of turtling was what I called it, where he kind of turtled a bit. But looking back on it now when you've seen how Murray's been able to develop, it was a costly loss last year. It probably kept the Cardinals from the playoffs. Um but when you're talking about being able to develop and some of that long term approach, being able to keep the quarterback healthy and upright was probably the most important thing um that they could do at the time to keep that development moving forward so um that's really about all I had at least for the most part it's going to be really interesting to see as far as you know like we're both predicting a cardinals blowout um for the most part when we were predicting cardinals blowouts and stuff last year we ended up being totally wrong <laughs> so that was one of the things that was funny as far as my you, track record went you, you won't
1: you yeah, won't be
0: I, wrong. I, I was saying at least i told people this is like one of those games where if arizona loses this game it's like it's gonna be really concerning because it's like all right you lost this game you're heading into a game against the rams next week oh boy this is uh this is this is uh what what kind of went wrong here so um, right. That would be one of the arenas, at least. So we've got our final score predictions in. We've got kind of the outline set up for that one. Um, really, I think it's just one of those avenues, at least, where in some cases, at least, it's the the narrative that I have for this game is seeing where the Cardinals were and then seeing kind of a picture of who the Jaguars could be. And it may take a couple of years for the most part, but... I think that's great. Uh, as we wrap up, at least we want to see if you can go ahead and pitch any of the places as far as whether there's content um, places where you provide um, Twitter accounts to follow. Um, this is kind of your moment here. If you want to be able to pitch that because uh, Jaguars Twitter for all the time that I've been on Twitter for the last 10 years has been like, I I consider it like almost another fan base of mine with following that. And unfortunately Blake Bortles, everyone talking about Blake all the time, that kind of is one of the things I'm like, Hey, I can relate to all of that. Sorry for, you know, throwing that interception. As everyone said that they they like, we hate Blake or something like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I write at bigcatcountry.com. We've got a great team of writers. Alfie Crow helps me, um, leave that and um we we've got right now on the homepage film rooms uh we've got observations uh, we've got you know practice breakdowns and so if you're you know if you want to learn more about the jaguars go to bigcatcountry.com uh you can also follow me at at ryan eats cake so that's at r-y-a-n eats cake um i post um I do. I play drums. Um, I write about the Arkansas Razorbacks um, and um, I also commiserate uh, about Blake Bortles with the rest of our fan base. So, yeah, at Ryan Eats Cake, follow me. And um, yeah, I think that's it. This was a lot of fun. Got to drink some uh, PBR and uh, chat about football with Blake.
0: Friday Friday beers. Friday beers. It's great. Yeah, I had a buddy who just went to his first NFL game, and it was Jaguars versus Texans. And he texted me going, where's Blake Bortles? And I was like, oh, oh, boy. Okay, like this is uh – this is, a, this is going to be an interesting conversation to have at least. So that's at least fun. Glad to be able to spend some time at least with you. The podcast that we have for you guys can be found at the ROTV pod on Twitter as well as you can find any of the content we've written for our team at revengeofthebirds.com. Thanks for joining. Good luck for that one. And best of luck to you and your Jaguars at least. Best of luck also to our Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the results may not be as pretty, but let's hope at least that we can uh, have some fun on Sunday. And that will be it.
1: <laughs> yeah, go Jaguars. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm.